Hello and welcome to the Kalkatindi Show. We don't believe in ourselves enough to really go after our dreams. I had a purpose. I was in a marriage. I wasn't too happy with my relationship at the time. I don't know what it is yet, but I just, I really trust it. And it's, it's exciting to tap into it because you see little breadcrumbs of it, like little kind of tastes of different mm-hmm. kind of doors that you're opening up. I do genuinely believe mm-hmm. that if you have the confidence and the self-belief to achieve, that anything is is possible. I really can create change in this world. I really can help people. They've changed my life. They've completely revolutionized the way that I think and they've encouraged my highest self. And, um, you know, I think the foundations in those three books. Activate countdown. Five, four, three, two, one. All right. My guest today is an entrepreneur and life coach. He is the creator and owner of Empowered by Choice. He coaches individuals and teams to conquer their mental blocks around success, leading to greater personal and professional growth. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Curtis Pipes. Curtis, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Um, So, Curtis, you're originally from Missouri, right? That's right. Good old Midwestern boy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) living in Australia, huh? Yes, I am. Awesome. So there's a lot in between that led you to do what you do today. You overcame mm-hmm. the trauma of sexual molestation and eating disorder, being a, an alcoholic, attempted suicide, self-hatred, and being homeless. And where a lot mm-hmm. of people give up and become victims, you made a not-so-easy choice to turn your life around, and now you're living your best life and focus on helping yeah. other people to do the same and to step mm-hmm. into their greatness. Can you show with yeah. us the highlights of your story and your journey up to this point? Oh, just the highlights. You hit some of them already. I think one of the biggest highlights was when I was homeless in New Zealand. Um, mm. That was a big. That was a big turnaround point when it came to the sexual molestation. For 15 years, I didn't even remember it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happened when I it happened when I was seven, and then I didn't remember it until I was 22. Wow. And even and even though the, um, the other time when I was taken advantage of, I didn't remember that one for thirty plus years. Mm-hmm. But the turnaround point, the turnaround point for me was when I was homeless in New Zealand because that was the first big move that I made in my life from moving from my hometown in uh, Missouri, Columbia, Missouri is, is where I'm from, to New Zealand. That literally was like the other side of the world. Mm-hmm because I had a vision of what I ultimately wanted for my life at that time. And what I wanted to become was, and what I wanted to do were not joined together as this huge space. Like, okay, you want to do this to become this, where there's all this space in between, which I didn't take into account when I decided to move. And so what eventually happened was all the money that I, I saved up and that I sold when I sold all my stuff for the plane ticket to move to New Zealand ran out because when I got there, I only moved to New Zealand on an opportunity. I didn't move on a job. Like they, they gave me the opportunity to fulfill my dream. And so I left. So the highlight for me was when I was sleeping on the steps one night, except when I was homeless. Hold and on. I, Hold on a minute. So you leave to go fulfill your dreams and then you end up homeless? I don't, yeah, I was homeless. In, I was homeless in a different country because 
the reason it came to be that came to be was because since I only moved on an opportunity, uh-huh. I didn't I didn't have a job. I just I lived off all the money that I made before I left to move to New Zealand. And my job that I wanted to become great in was group fitness. I wanted to be the best group fitness instructor I possibly could be on this earth so I can impact millions of lives. Mm-hmm. And the company that I worked for, Les Mills, originated in New Zealand. So I was like, mm-hmm. I told myself that the greatest live there. I want to be taught by the greatest. I want to be surrounded by the greatest. So I need to move there. And mm-hmm. so that's why I moved to New Zealand. I put out feelers and told people what my vision was and what I wanted to do. And one of the opportunities, one of the guys, he said, we'd be more than happy to see your talent. So I said, bet, put all my stuff in two suitcases and had a duffel bag and I moved over to New Zealand. So the entire time I was there, the first year I was there, I didn't really have, I I didn't have any classes. I substituted, substituted for classes. I went to many instructors, didn't teach. But my own first permanent class didn't come until I was eight months in mm-hmm. to New Zealand. At that point, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was already homeless because uh, I was staying in a hostel for a while. So you have to pay for a hostel every day or every week, depending on how you set it up. And so eventually I didn't have any money left. So I had to leave the hostel. And so I started sleeping on the street. I slept around the corner on a staircase from the hostel. I had to steal food i had to steal money and that's the highlight of the the entire thing was one night i got a pizza from this bar mm-hmm. uh, that was connected to the hostel and the, the the bar was called globe and they had a partnership with, with domino's pizza where every thursday they would give free pizza away Mm-hmm. So at the, at the time when I became homeless, I really knew the people who operated the bar and those who operated the hostel. And so they gave me a pizza and it was only, it was only a medium pizza. Mm-hmm. So I had to ra- I had to ration out eight pieces of pizza over a week. Wow. So, so it was like taking a bite for breakfast, a bite for lunch, and a bite for dinner. And that was a highlight because that's when I really got upset. Mm-hmm. And was questioning, should I go home? Uh, call my mom, ask for money to come home. And it was in that moment where I was like, no, I'm gonna make this work. This is all part of my journey to get to where I want to be, to become the instructor that I want to be, to become the person I want to be. So if this has to happen, I'm gonna work through it. So in that moment, I, I became aware of what my circumstances were. And I accepted them for the time being, and I decided to keep my faith. And so I kept going to classes. I kept getting substitute classes every now and then. I kept going to the leaders of the company. They taught. I kept going to their classes to learn. And I just kept soaking up information and kept working my butt off until eight months later, I finally got my first class, and that was the first step. And then I started making more money. And then... I finally realized that everything was going to be okay because I went into the hostel one morning. I wasn't staying there, but I went into the hostel and I stole food from the cafeteria Mm -hmm. and went went about my day, went to classes uh, to learn and taught a class that day, I believe. But then I came back around to the hostel 
And a guy that I knew was standing outside the hostel. I was like, hey, man, how's it going? He's like, oh, I got kicked out of the hostel. I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, they caught, they caught me on camera in the cafeteria stealing food. And I was like, what? And I asked him when he went in. He went into the cafeteria after I went in that morning. And they caught, they caught him on camera. I don't know how, how they didn't catch me. So hold I, he, he too was stealing food. Yeah, he was still he stole food too, but he got oh, caught. Oh, oh, on cam okay. on camera. Okay, because I thought he I don't know how the place. I was wondering. Huh? I thought he had been caught instead of you being caught. Like I thought. No, yeah, he, like, no, he he got caught. He did get caught. I didn't okay. get caught. Okay. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I don't know how he. I don't know how he got caught, and I didn't, uh -huh. considering that it. It was on video. It was on camera. It was on camera. So I took that as a sign that okay, you need to stop stealing food. Mm. Everything will be all right. And so after that day, I didn't steal any more food, and everything turned out okay. I made it. I made a career for myself in four years in New Zealand. I made amazing friends, amazing experiences, and um, it was one of the best times in my life. But that was the highlight. Um, of where now I have catapulted to be was that medium pizza. Wow. Um, I, I'm deeply moved by your story, Cadiz. I'm mm. really moved by how your endurance, you know, during how, what exactly kept you going when you hit that low, low, like, what is Faith. it about? What is was, was it the was it the passion for fitness? Was it something more? What was it exactly that kept you going? It, uh, first off, it was faith, but it wasn't a passion for fitness. It was it was my drive to be the greatest that I could be and know that this wasn't my conclusion. I I knew that that was not my plight. It was not. I was not meant to be homeless. I deserve better than that. I refuse to give up. I am very stubborn in that way. Like if I have my eyes set on something, mm -hmm. I'm going to make it happen. Mm -hmm. um, so I just knew even, even when I was homeless, I mean, even when I was starving and, and stealing money and everything, I was highly upset. Even in those moments, I knew that this wasn't going to be it for me. This was not going to define me. It was just a matter of me keeping focused me being determined, me being disciplined and keeping my vision alive. Like it wasn't the, I got to keep going because I need to be this, this, uh, amazing, this amazing world known group fitness instructor. It was, I need to keep going because I refuse to have this be my circumstances. I refuse to be a victim of my circumstances. I will always be a victor. Wow. Wow. And right now you're doing coaching, right? Yes, I am. Yeah. So what are the most common things that you find hold most of your plants back from becoming their best selves and stepping to their greatness? Uh, self-talk, negative self-talk and not realizing that they're living as a victim and definitely lack of self-love. Those are the top three things for, that I've come mm -hmm. across when it comes to coaching, coaching other people. All right, and speaking of self-love, let's talk a, a little bit more about that. You struggled with yourself, yeah. yourself, right? 
can you share a bit more on that experience for you, what that was like and how you came out of that? Because that's, I'm sure that's a very big issue for a lot of people. Oh, overcoming lack, lack of self-love, let me first say that I didn't even realize that I had no self-love until I started to heal. And um, I started to overcome it with healing, really looking at the situations. And at this point in my life, the memory of sexual molestation came back up. At this point in my life, realizing I was a people pleaser, was, the, was a parent in my life, and was also going through the, overcame the homelessness, and also overcame the eating disorder that I had. Mm -hmm. And so it just it took a lot of healing for me and realizing and going into those situations and seeing what I made it mean about me. Mm. Like I made I made the sexual molestation mean about me that I wasn't worthy. I made the homelessness mean about me that I wasn't good enough. I made the people pleasing mean about me that I wasn't good enough. I made the eating disorder mean about me that I wasn't good enough. And so when I really tapped into why am I making it mean this, what does that look like to me, and how am I allowing this to happen, it just came that I had no self-love. Like, because now I firmly believe that when you love yourself unequivocally and unapologetically, that self-discipline comes into play. And you put boundaries in place that don't allow people or things to topple you into a, a mindset of, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy. And now going through, realizing those situations and how I approach them into, um, in terms of giving them a, a definition and, and tying it into who I am, who I was as a person at those points in my life, I see that outside of the sexual molestation because i was someone's victim someone chose me to be their victim mm -hmm. but i did choose to make it mean something about me i did choose i chose to live as a victim mm -hmm. besides a victor for years mm -hmm. through actions that i made through through the the outlook that i had on certain people so i chose even though it was unconscious to live as a victim. So getting over into self-love just really involved me looking at my wounds, my, my traumas, and understanding what, how I operated within them, how I allowed them to control my life, and how they, they uh, played out in my life. And then when I was able to see that, that's when a choice I was able to make to say no that's not what I'm going to make it mean about myself. And I made it mean something more empowering to me. Granted, it happened. I accepted it. I'm aware of it. But it happened. Past tense. It happened. Doesn't mean that it's happening now. What's happening now, moment by moment in my life, is what I choose. So I took the power back. I no longer fed fuel to those traumas in my life. I turned off the gas and put the fuel into me, put the fire into me to live my best life. And that, that required me to have a lot of self-love for myself, which I have and I practice every single day because every single day is different. I mean, I get triggered. Mm -hmm. the, little, the, the little boy in me gets triggered. That's the just what happens. Kid. 
Yeah. Huh? I was about to ask you that. That do you get you know those those uh, insecurities coming back to haunt you or you know struggling with those you know triggers as you call them? Yeah, what? totally. Yeah, I mean the people pleaser thing it gets gets triggered sometimes. I mean I I like to see I want to see everyone on this planet if I can help it mm. happy. Now the people that I know when they are feeling down those close to me like my partner or, or my daughter or some of my friends like i want to do something to please them and so i catch myself in that moment like i'll say something but i want to allow myself to go over the line that's going to um possibly compromise me and my position and my beliefs and my values just to please them I'm not going to do that. that I can see that. I, that's when I see myself getting triggered. Even sometimes when me and my partner are having arguments, I feel myself, that little boy coming in and wanting to put myself on the back burner so she's happy. Mm-hmm. And I know that trigger. I know the emotions that are behind that. So I'm able to stop it, especially if I know that I know that I'm not in the wrong mm-hmm. or I know that what I'm standing up for, for me, mm-hmm. feels right. Mm-hmm. I will remain in my power. Um, so wow. that's the big one of people pleasing. Yeah, I was going about it over in my mind because when you mentioned power, it kind of clicked because I was trying to connect self-love to that, to the self-pleasing, but I mm. think it comes down to power, right? Like if yeah. like, well, self-love is empowering. I think that's empowering, not power, but it's it's powerful for the person to to experience self-love, to to start to build and create their self-love. Mm. But I mm. think love, self-love is more of an empowering thing for someone. Mm. So you felt like like you want to take their pain away, kind of like so that they're happy and then they like you because you help them take the pain away. Is that what you, you you refer to as pleasing? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. So you do seem to have a lot of inner strength, right? And I'm sure with everything that you've been through, obviously it has contributed a lot to to that inner strength, but it's very a lot of people don't have that same inner strength when put in the same similar situations like yours right do you attribute that to something in particular or do you think it is something that is is an effect or a result of all those experiences you've had i I think that mm -hmm. go ahead yeah because i feel like to pull through that that and hearing you speak like i feel like there's something deep within you something innate that must have helped you to to rise up through all that and not not give into all that stuff i i first off think that everyone has it Mm. i just think i think what gets i feel what gets in the way of people who have gone through things that are similar to my story i just think the only different one of the only fundamental differences is that choice is that choice and possibly allowing past experiences in and future projections which are just projections it's like you don't know what's going to happen in the future it's unknown come into play so that fear and that fear can be so crippling to some people Mm -hmm. that they choose not to move and so I just think that's the the fundamental difference is choice and realizing that 
what what happened to them happened. Like I mentioned earlier, it's it's past. It's not happening now. But if it, it will continue to happen if you choose to let it happen and if you choose to accept it as defining you as a person. The reason I feel or the to go along with your question that makes me different is that I refused to allow it to define me. Mm-hmm. I was not going to allow any of those situations in my life to define me mm. and dictate how I was going to live my future. It was not going to happen because if I did, like you mentioned earlier that I attempted suicide, mm. if I did allow those situations to dictate and define and control and lead my life, like if you were in a car and I allowed those traumas to be in the driver's seat the whole time, I most likely would have attempted attempt suicide again and succeeded. But I chose to not allow them to define me. And I just think that's the that's the one thing that um, a lot of people miss because I'm no different. I'm human. I bleed. I have DNA. I have skin. I have eyes. I'm a human mm-hmm. being like everyone else on this planet. I just feel that the the fundamental difference is the choice that I made and the choices that some people are not making. Mm-hmm. I want to ask about clarity. How do you mm. how do you find clarity when you're caught in the fog and you can't see anything? I meditate. I I meditate and that just comes in the form of me sitting in silence or listening to theta wave music or journaling. Um, I find that journaling is the best thing for me to get clarity because I could write the words and see what the heck I'm saying. Um, but those are the three things that I turn to because clear, like sitting in a fog just brings more confusion. It brings frustration because you're confused. Mm-hmm. And then it brings overwhelm because you continue to be frustrated. And you feel like you, there's nothing else you can do. There's no way out. So to get into that clarity those are the three things that I turn to, journaling being the best one for me to gain that clarity. Mm-hmm. I'm big on meditation personally. Are those, mm. are those mm. practices, are those new practices to you or have you, did you do them even when you're struggling and thus helping you to overcome the struggles? Well, the, to, for me to overcome the struggles, journaling was it. That's why journaling is the biggest thing for oh, me. Like okay. when, I started, when I started to journal, mm-hmm. that's when I really got to see where I was operating from because our words create thoughts and our thoughts create habits and our habits will create our reality. So seeing the words, that, that seeing the words that on paper and how I was talking about myself and my perspective on situations really made me feel, really made me see like, damn, I'm really living as a victim here. Now, meditation didn't come into play until years later. Um, I would say I didn't start meditating until about four years ago, about four years ago. And it's just a matter of me, because it's different for everyone. I Sometimes, some days I sit in silence and I count my breaths, I focus on my breathing. Mm-hmm. Other days I put theta music on, theta waves, on in my headphones and I listen to the vibration of the waves and I envision myself laying on water. I'm a water guy, like water is conducive to my creativity. Mm. And then that's where my meditation goes. But 
journaling was the thing that got me through the situations in my life. Mm, nice. I'm curious to know this personally, as a coach, right? Mm. Do you yes. go to anyone for help? Do you find it easy to go to anyone, to someone for help? How do you? How yes, do you? I do. Oh, really? Uh -huh. Tell me about. Well, yeah, because because I can only see so much. Oh. Like so, it's it's good to have someone else outside of situations to help me see my blind spots. So, one thing about me journaling is that I'm able to see some of my blind spots, mm -hmm. but to see them all. I feel that you need that outside resource, you need that outside mentorship, that outside leadership. So when I was going through my situations, I did have someone I talked to about it. Because if I did it on my own, it would have been me more of in the perspective of aggressiveness to get over it. It would have been more of the little boy leading the show to get over it. Or in the end, the little boy would have ended up sabotaging me, which he did for years, to protect me. So being able to have that outside resource really helped me get into the driver's seat and put that little boy in the passenger seat. Because like I said, there's only so much that I can see and being having someone in my corner to see those blind spots is the best thing. Awesome. And you still do to this day? No, I don't. I don't have a coach. I don't have a coach right now. Well, I was talking about the present. That's why I asked, like, because right now. Oh, OK. Yeah. Oh, yes, no, no, I don't have I don't have a coach right now. I have I have friends who are coaches who I talk to, but I don't I don't I haven't hired a coach. Like my, my coaches my coaches who are friends, they're uh they're just as blunt as I am. So <laughs> they'll they'll call me out on my BS real quick. Um and that's why I love them so much. Same with same with some of my friends that I have. They'll call me out on my BS. So it's like having a circle of coaches twenty four seven. Oh nice. Oh nice. Yeah. All right, all right, Curtis, we're going to go into some quick fire questions. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, so the first is, what is your definition of success? Peace and love within yourself. Interesting. Interesting. Do you have a favorite book? Oh, um, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. I just started reading it. Titans. It's called Titans. Nice. That is by uh, Timothy Ferris, right? Yes. Awesome. All right. And what are some of the habits that have propelled you forward in life that without them probably would have accomplished what you've accomplished so far? I think you already probably mentioned a few already. Yeah, training, working out, definitely working out. Um, I get up at 3.30 in the morning, so I go to the gym at 4. So definitely training. And music, I'm a music producer and songwriter. Uh, that was my first outlet to express myself when I felt in my life I didn't have anyone to talk to was music. So music and working out. Nice. And, and what is one skill you think anyone who wants to succeed in life should learn? Any skill? Um, yeah. To, oh man, I only get one? Oh, okay. So, <laughs> you can give two. You can give two if you have. I would say, I would say the, the biggest skill for people to have first is awareness. Oh, no. You have to be aware. Mm -hmm. Being aware of your thoughts, being aware of how you react in situations and more of a response is needed than being reactionary. So awareness, I think, is the top skill. Nice. And what is one key lesson you've learned during this pandemic? Oh, man. <laughs> Patience. 
patience. <laughs> Definitely patience. Yeah. Give us some and, examples. And, and to and to find the humor, like patience, because patient. Like I, I'm typically a patient person, but then having to for there's some time there that we were on lockdown here in Australia, mm-hmm. and so you know being in the house and i love my family but being around them 24 7 mm. got on my nerves i couldn't stand it and uh <laughs> I, I like them, how I, couldn't I can i'll be honest yeah i'm sure my partner i got all her nerves and my daughter she probably hated me every now and then so <laughs> that's fine but um definitely patience because in that in those moments in that moment of being locked down mm-hmm. it was always focusing in on business, which is good to a certain extent. And being patient with the process, like, look, just because you're locked down, do more work, but you know, you have to allow yourself to back away. So giving myself that that space to back away and knowing that it was my business is going to continue to grow was the big thing. So don't keep pushing, 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 pushing. Be patient, man. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, it's one big example of that. Um, yeah, just patience has always been a has, has always been a big one for me. I, I thought that after having a daughter, that would help, and it has not. <laughs> wow, nice, patience. yeah, nice. And what is the one thing you're most grateful to have in your life right now? Oh, oh man, the thing I'm most grateful for in my life is that I'm still here. I, I've been able to wake up every single day for 41 years now. I've been able to be blessed to wake up and see another day. So I would say that to put that in, a, in one sentence, the one thing that I'm grateful for is being able to still be alive. Mm. Yeah. Wow. All right. So, Caris, let's talk about your services and any other projects okay. currently working on. Anything that yeah. you share with us? Mm-hmm. Uh, my services. I'm just. I like. I. I. I brand. I brand myself, and uh, my my vision for my services is all, is all around self love. So, I teach self love in a business sense to entrepreneurs, CEOs, and okay. business owners. So I go down that route. I have a program basically called I Don't Give a Damn About Your Business because I, t- I titled it that one because when CEOs have come to me in the past, when business owners and entrepreneurs come to me in the past, they have experienced success, mm-hmm. but they, they want more of it, which is fine. I understand the drive, the inspiration to be the greatest that they possibly can be. But what they don't understand is they have to become a bigger person in order for that success to happen. Mm-hmm. It's like they want to. It's like I mentioned earlier. They want to do something, but they don't know who they need to be in order to do it. So I teach them. I coach them to see that they need to become a bigger person. And when they become that bigger and greater version of themselves, that's when their business will will propel or scale up. I do give them business tips. So this it's mainly working on them. Like the perfect example is Bezos. Like Bezos wouldn't be a billionaire if he had the same mindset that he had when he first started the company. Mm-hmm. It just would it just wouldn't happen. So as he grew, his business grew. So that's that's one service that I have. And the other service is life coaching, like you mentioned earlier in the introduction. Is I teach people, I coach people for six months 
on who they are, who they also want to be and getting rid of those mental blocks, getting rid of those challenges and having breakthroughs where they need to have breakthroughs and discovering what has held them back in their lives for so long and how to reframe it in order for them to use it as fuel to live a greater and unapologetic life. Like it's one of those big things. I'm a stickler on people realizing how amazing that they actually are as human beings. And this is also a CEOs because most CEOs feel lonely. Most mm. entrepreneurs feel lonely because it's, it's them on their journey. Mm. And they, we, get, we, put the, we put labels on them all the time. CEOs are the top, the top people. So there's an expectation there because of their title. It's an expectation for entrepreneurs because of their title. And yet the person that's in that position feels they have to live up those expectations. So in that, I show them how great they actually are. And you know what, you create the label yourself. You decide on what it feels like to you and what it's going to be for you. So you operate at your greatest for the business and for the people who are working for you. Another project that I'm working on as well is I have my book coming out, my first book, where basically I am, it's called Live Unapologetically. Okay. And I'm giving I'm giving the reader, I'm giving the world my traumas. I am discussing with them what my traumas are, mm. what they have been, what happened to me, how I first approached them, what I made it mean about me, how I, I show them how it played out in my life. Mm. And then I also show them how I overcame them. Because like I mentioned earlier, it's, I lived as a victim, mm. but I chose to not be a victim, but I wanted to be a victor. And the whole vision of the book is to give people who have, or who are going through what I went through, mm -hmm. an avenue to heal themselves. Because at the time I was going through my traumas, I didn't talk to anyone. Mm -hmm. I talked to no one. And I felt that I was alone. I felt I was going about it by myself. There's no one who's going to understand. So through this book, through my traumas, through my story, I want to show people, look, you are not alone. I've gone through this. It happened, but it doesn't define you. And this is how I became a victor through my experiences. So it's, 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 it's what it's, I'm very proud of the, the outcome of the book the book is basically done mm. and now it just goes it's just going through the final stages of development but the book will be out early december wow really december yeah wow. yeah wow i'm happy for you man and i'm excited for the book it sounds like thank i love you. the title first of all i love the title i'll, I'll give you a copy <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> i love i love the title it's 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 very like i love it yeah, it's like, why apologize for how you want to live? Why yeah. apologize for the life you want to live? What's, I, why apologize? Yeah, and, you li and, and you're living it because I feel that exactly. like your energy just speaks up. Like you say what you mean and you, you, like you don't <laughs> sugarcoat things. Yeah, yeah, because I, I had to I had to get real with myself. Mm. Like I could have been, I could have sugarcoated. Like you, oh, it's, it's a great analogy right there. I could have sugarcoated it how I was going through my, which I pretty much did actually, now that I think about it, I, I sugarcoated and that's what kept me stuck. Yeah. That's what kept me stuck for years. Like I didn't get, I wasn't being real with myself. And when I decided to be real and blunt and honest, that's when things changed for me. Hmm. You know, before we wrap up, I want to talk about vulnerability. How, mm -hmm. how did you come to the point where you're this vulnerable and 
you own your truth and you know basically there is no like you overcame the shame of whatever parts of you that you are ashamed of like how did you free yourself to be so vulnerable because i feel like to serve and to help other people like you're doing right now you need to really pull the mask off and pull the curtains back right yeah yeah a lot of courage and not very few people very very few people are able to do that yeah one wants to be to put their best self out and they don't want to show their you know their 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 faults and how broken they are yeah two 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 experiences uh for that question vulnerability first off vulnerability i think well i think i know because i used to believe the same thing unfortunately i think um globally obtusely we think of vulnerability as weakness Mm. when vulnerability ultimately is your strength like you can't know strength without vulnerability you can't know bravery and courage without struggle and fear so it's like the other side of the coin but to answer your question two experiences in my life i overcame vulnerability the first time (laughs) i can laugh about it now but it wasn't funny then uh because i would almost i i was on the verge because I was overwhelmed in my life at that time. Mm-hmm. And I almost at work harmed somebody with a knife oh. at work. So I knew in that moment that I was stressed out for lack of a better description and I needed to talk to somebody. That was the first instance. The second instance in overcoming that I don't wanna, I don't wanna be vulnerable and saying F it, I need to be vulnerable and talk to somebody was when <clears throat> someone that I was involved with deeply had an affair on me. Mm. And I realized what was going on and then found out about, found more out about it. The first time I found out, she said it was one thing. And so I believed her. And then months later, the rest of the story came out and there's a lot more to it. Mm-hmm. And so that was a big one for me in vulnerability because I knew how I would react to it if I didn't talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. My reaction would have been to numb the emotions by alcohol. The, 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 my reaction would have been to you know, operate over the top of as I'm fine and really take in all of this, this anger and all these emotions and allow it to cripple me in my fitness and my mental health my emotional health so i that was the second one because that could have been a slippery slope real quick mm-hmm. but yeah it's, it's just a matter of those are the two big ones for me that really welcomed finding my strength through vulnerability wow well i i truly truly mm-hmm. admire that quality about you thank you, you yeah authenticity and being vulnerable like it's very i'm sure the people listening can feel that as well that the energy just it's just pure and you can tell that you know this person is real so that's really good man um thank you what is your number one social platform for someone who wants to connect with you uh my website uh www.curtispipes.com mm-hmm. is the best way to get in touch with me if they just wanted to email me to get a quicker response mm-hmm. would be to email me and my email is live at full volume at curtispipes.com l-i-v-e-a-t 
Curtis Pipes at oh, sorry, <laughs> messed up my own email. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Li I'll put the I'll put the links in the show notes, yeah. so don't worry about it. They'll get it. All right, cool. Yeah. All right, Curtis. Before I ask the final question, I want to thank you mm -hmm. so much for coming on the show. We had skated these uh, probably I don't know how many times now, and we're having technical issues. But my pleasure, man. My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, Curtis. but I'm happy sticking with it and having me on your show. Yeah. But I'm happy that we finally got into this. I'm very grateful. Yeah. To you. And I thank you for the way you show up in the world and for the amazing work that you're doing. I'm very, very mm -hmm. inspired. I was already inspired by you through your work, like seeing you know your, your message out there. But getting to interact with you and speak to you in person, I feel more inspired by you and your strength and your character. And yeah, I'm very inspired by who you are as a person. So yes, thank you. All right, so the final question is, what would you say to someone listening right now who is about to give up, who is frustrated that they're not getting the results they want? This person wants to make progress towards their goals, but feels stuck and has no idea what to do next. What advice do you have for this person? Oh, man. I would, the first thing is they have to get real. Like, why do they ultimately want what they want? Yeah. What is it going to do as far as their cup in life is it going to run it over is it going to fulfill them mm -hmm. is it ultimately something that is going to fulfill you and propel your life in a certain direction and if or since it is not coming to reality right now mm. why what is what is standing in the way meaning like is it is there a sense of you're you're scared of the success is there a sense of that you're not worried, that you're not good enough? And this comes from childhood. Like you gotta really heal those childhood wounds or you're gonna continue to sabotage yourself. I think the best example of that is I was watching the Red Table Talk a couple of days ago with Will Smith. Mm. Now, Will's one of my idols. Like that man, what he's done in his life, but more importantly, what he's done in his last five to seven years on how he's really shown up to be a better human being for himself. Mm -hmm. But all of his childhood wounds from when he was little showed up and really um, created a, a turbulent environment on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, things that I had no idea about. Like mm -hmm. he, because of his childhood and wanting to, you know, be the funny person to help protect his mother because his mother was abused by their father he became the funny person to help protect his mom wow. so if everything everyone was laughing in the house mm. his father wasn't hitting his mother so it showed up on years later on fresh prince as him being the funny person mm. and he needed he needed that show he felt that show was needed for him to protect himself like fresh prince he felt was his way to survive and since he felt threatened by a person on the show, he got them kicked off the show because a little boy in him was running the show because he didn't feel protected because she was on the show. So in regards to your question, those who want to be successful and, don't, and it's not coming to fruition, it's things in your past that you need to come to grips with and you need to heal because they'll continue to show up and you're going to continue to sabotage yourself. So you need to answer the question of not just only is it going to fulfill you, is your cup going to run over and it's going to impact other people, more importantly yourself first, but 
since it's not coming to fruition, is there a sense of fear of the success? Is there a fear of how it's going to change you? Do you feel worthy? When you get down to the grassroots of, of um, when you get to the grassroots of why it's, why your, your current circumstances continue to be your current circumstances, that's when it's going to change. But you have to be dead honest with yourself. It has nothing to do with your to-do list. It has nothing to do with your 90-day game plan. It may have something to do with your system if you already have a business. But more importantly, how are you showing up? Well, well, Curtis, thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for joining me this week on the Kawika Tendik Show. Subscribe to the podcast so that you'll never miss an episode. And if you found value in this show, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would really help us a lot to grow. Thanks again for listening. See you next week. Take care.